Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae Peluso, and this is a Grief Survival Guide episode. This is part 23 of the Grief Survival Guide miniseries we have here within the Sharp Tongue Podcast. This week's episode is six ways to cope with your grief. Now, the way you grieve may not be the way I grieve, so it is not all created equal. This is just the way and things that have worked for me, and you can cherry pick whatever works for you. There's also a couple ways that I wish I would have improved upon during my grieving process, and we include that, and I'll also include each step in the show notes. We also ask our listeners, where do you think we go when we die? If you guys want to shoot us what you think, you can email us at jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com. I also decided to ask about some reviews reviews on funeral homes reviews on coffins because we've been doing coffin reviews a couple times a little way to bring some levity to a heavy subject so if you find any funny reviews pertaining to anything death related shoot those to us as well jesse may peluso comedy at gmail.com and let's get into this episode as well as if you guys want to watch the full video you can do that at the patreon and um, if you want to listen to the episode while you're listening to it now so thank you so much and if you want to leave a review do that so when you're done Leave us a little rate and review. This week's episode is part 23 of the Grief Survival Guide mini-series. This is six ways to cope with your grief. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jessie Mae Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary. A deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's gonna get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. Talk about my dog sometimes. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's gonna be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're gonna get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. This is another Grief Survival Guide episode, part 22. This week we're talking about five ways that I cope with grief. And before the end of the episode, I took to Twitter to ask the world, the Twitterverse, the Xverse, whatever we're calling it now, how they cope with grief. So before the end of the episode, we're going to hear how all of my fans, whether it's authentic or not, it might be some jokes, it might be some way to make me laugh about such a heavy subject somebody might have said something inappropriate but that's what we're going to read before the end of the episode and last week we talked about my grief gifts and gifts that going through grief has bestowed upon me which is a word that when people use it kind of pisses me off when someone says bestow if someone says bestow you should be in the garden of eden if you're not in the garden of eden the guy definitely wears a turtleneck he has a cat and he plays horrible jazz. But the grief gifts that were bestowed upon me, we talked about last week, were um, feeling more empathy for other people and myself. And having a moment of pause, creating a time in your life where you are still. And the value of stillness, I feel, is underrated in this fast-paced society. And because of that, grief has been diagnosable. I don't know if that's a word. We're going to say it. I think because we live in such a fast-paced society, the powers that be have deemed that you should only grieve for a year. Not that you should only grieve for a year, but the average person grieves for a year, and that's sort of what is recognized as a grief period for loss. And if you're listening to this, these miniseries and people out there listening who have been through their own bouts of grief, you know that that is not a perfect equation and that it is not something that is just standardized for every single person. This isn't like in school when you take a standardized test and there's one grade and if you either reach that grade, you pass, and if you don't, you fail. That's not how grief works. There's not some scale that you need to uphold or some scale that you have to fit into. So I think realizing that you need a little break and you might need longer than a year is totally fine. There's no normal 
process in this experience. Also, we talked about releasing old habits. That's not so much something that is given to you as it is something that you end up doing, at least for me. You end up releasing old habits and people in toxic situations on your own out of necessity. And also, it happens in a very involuntary fashion because you have this no-fucks-given attitude. Not all the time, but after you lose somebody, you lose a part of yourself that cares about what other people think, and you lose a part of yourself that has hung on to old thought patterns and, and old people who represent those old thought patterns. And one of the greatest gifts of loss is loss. You lose things that no longer help you win in the next chapter of your life. So releasing old habits was one of those gifts. Embracing change head on. We talked about last week and how when you lose things, you have this sort of fortitude and a little bit more of a tenacious attitude and you're able to handle change. You're able to handle um, adversity a little bit easier. And sometimes it's not even easier, but you're more well equipped to face it head on. Also, we talked about more space, more space for love, more space for joy, more space for allowing yourself to love yourself in a new way, especially if you're an orphan like I am, you experience this untethered reality because your lifeline, your, your life source, the people who gave you life are both gone. So there's this sort of George Clooney floating out in gravity space experience that you have you feel like you have been unclipped from the mothership and in a way you have you have been unclipped from the mothership and try to not view that as a loss try to view that as another journey another chapter in your life and while it is sad and there is this veil of heaviness over it there's also this really beautiful opportunity to discover who you are without being attached to your parents. And there's this quote I think I've mentioned before on the podcast. I'll butcher it and I don't remember who said it. I do believe I might have seen it on Instagram, so I'm not even going to try and act like I found this from some thick cerebral book. But it said something that when the mother dies, the woman is born. And I think in that is a conversation about what becoming untethered does to a human being, specifically a woman. I am a woman. That's where I'm speaking from. But more generally, I think that that statement can also be true for anybody, that there is a massive change that happens when you become untethered to your creators. not talking about God or whoever you think created you. Um, whoever you believe created you. I'm talking about your actual mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad, whatever your situation is. For me, it was a mom and and dad. I almost said mom and mom. (laughs) So one of those gifts was creating more space for myself and feeling more love for myself, which isn't a linear process either. When, When I'm saying these things, it's not like I've nailed it. It's not like it's like this every single day. I'm empathetic and I've got stillness and I'm releasing my old habits and I'm embracing change. It's not that clean cut and perfect. These are just the silver linings through the loss. And wrapping up the six grief gifts that I spoke about last week is time. How you view time, how you manage time, how you spend time changes completely how you view your time on this earth changes because you realize how much more fragile everything is, how much more fragile your lifespan is. And therefore every second and every minute of the hour of the day becomes very valuable to you. And you start to kind of look at it the way somebody manages their money. You should manage your time the way a really, um, like uh, impressive financial advisor might manage somebody's money. You should be managing your time the same way because it it will all go away. Money grows and, and inflation affects the value of it. But when it comes to time, one day it's, it's going to be your last second. So it's very important on how you manage your time and where you're spending it. So just to recap last week, There's empathy for others and yourself, a moment of pause and stillness, releasing your old habits, 
embracing change head on, space for more love, and time for more enjoyment. So this week we're talking about five ways I cope with grief. And also when we're doing these grief survival guide episodes, I'm asking my listeners, where do you think we go when we die? And you can email us your response to comedy at gmail. Mm. I love when I find a little chunk of lemon in my water. Okay, that was a really lemony lemon. Wow. That one hit me right in my neck. Okay, let's read this one. This one just came in last night, actually. James, he says, where does it go? I was just about to listen to the latest podcast. Fortuitous. I do not remember what my life was like before I was born. I do not see any reason to fear what comes after this life. We're born into troubles and traumas. It is my thought that it is best to live in the present moment and hold those close. To be honest, I believe that you die in your state of mind. I believe it's all connected. And if I'm being honest, I could use the rest. Keep up the fine work. (laughs) You know, people always say that. People always joke like, oh, take me now. Uh, You know, uh, why would I want to live longer? And and this life is so hard. Yeah, it's hard. If everything were easy, it would be so boring. And I think that's just the reality of living. If everything were so easy, it would be boring. And I think that's why grief can be valuable. It's one of the hardest things you're going to go through, but it certainly isn't boring. You're going to discover so much about yourself and you're going to meet new people and you're going to meet new versions of yourself. So if anybody else has an idea about where we go when we die, let me know. I think it's an interesting thought I had yesterday thinking about what James mentions in here, how he says it's best to live in the present moment. And I've always held on to that, that tenet and, and have always believed that for myself. And I'm not saying I don't, but I think there is value to also realizing that beyond that moment is unknown. So while you should live in the moment, you should also have respect for the fact that that moment is so fragile. And the only way you can understand the fragility of that moment is to see beyond it, whether there's more time beyond it or nothingness. So I do think it is important to have the perspective of this life is short and beyond the present moment is unknown. So while you live in that moment, having respect of the unknown beyond it keeps the value of that moment alive, if that makes any sense. I I wanted to ask everybody also who listens to these uh, Survival Guide episodes, If you have a funeral home or something that has to do with death or grief, specifically to your area that a business is involved in, like any sort of funeral home, any sort of flower arrangement or something like that, specifically having to do with death and where there are reviews, please send them to me. If you happen to find a funny review, something that you found interesting, I want to read those on the podcast it's the same email, jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com. So send those to me, please. Uh, let's talk about the five ways I have coped with grief. One of them is maintaining my relationship with my parents. Now, I know that sounds strange to say because they're dead, but there is a way to maintain the relationship. There is a way to make it so that you have a new relationship with them. And I have to be honest, the things you find out about people after they die is shocking. It's shocking because you end up talking to friends. If you do, you end up talking to friends and relatives and you ask questions and people reminisce naturally after someone has passed. And I found out a lot of stuff about my mom. I found out a lot of stuff about my dad that will both be going into a book about my dad's drinking and where his car was left multiple times and about my mom and her nickname because she used to sell weed to her friends. So many fun stories about my parents. She didn't really sell weed, but there was a lot of fun revelations after they passed away. And to me, that felt like our relationship had continued. And I think much like talking about how I've discussed seeing my mom after she's died and experiencing things that I can't explain, that's also maintained our relationship in a way. I think a way to maintain the relationship with your past loved one is to understand that magic is real 
and to try to put some energy in believing that that magic is real. And that magic can open you up to unexplained experiences that can be the moments that are the essence of maintaining that relationship beyond death. And also, you have a real opportunity because I feel very fortunate. There wasn't a lot of unspokenness for myself and my parents after they passed away. And for people, that's not, for a lot of people, that's not the case. For a lot of people, they, unfortunately, their parents pass and they're angry because of something that happened in their childhood or they're bitter because of neglect or the fight that they never talked about. There's so much unspoken words at the time of death that for me, I feel very fortunate because my sister and I sucked the life out of them. Not, not, we didn't kill them, but we like, while they were alive, we always said, I love you. And my mother was a type of person who wanted to deal with the problem. I'm that type of person as well, as well. I want to deal with a problem. I want to know what I did. I want to know how you felt and how if we come to this crossroad again that we understand how to meet each other there without there being some tension. So when my parents passed away, there wasn't a lot left for me to unpack with them. So I think that that's something for you to consider when you're listening to this. If you're somebody who still has parents who are alive, talk to them, have the hard conversation. And if you're somebody whose parents have passed, you can still have the conversation. You can still have that conversation. There's nothing wrong with talking to your dead relatives. And in fact, I think a lot of people paired with therapy, have found some real solace and have been able to let go of the grievances they've had beyond their ones, their loved ones being alive. Like literally their grief grievances have become something that they're able to deal with. So maintaining a relationship is really important. And I think one of the ways that I've been able to cope with the loss Another one of the ways that I have coped with the loss, honestly, it's so simple. You just, you have to cry it out. You just have to cry. You have to cry whenever you need to. I've cried all over the city. I've cried in Marshall's fitting rooms. I've cried in line at Sharky's. I've cried at home drinking wine, watching documentaries about loss. I cry, let me tell you, I put on Tyler. I think it's called Afterlife with Tyler, the the psychic. Balled my eyes out. Balled my eyes out. Don't think I didn't Google where he's living and seeing if I can go show up at his doorstep. Like, is, where's Nance? Help me out. I think crying is a really simple, underused tactic. I know I haven't underused it at all. I cry all the time. If you listen to this podcast, you probably have listened to 100 episodes where I'm crying. And it's, it's the most simple, cathartic, free way you can deal with, with grief. And also, I would, I think as a kid, I was such a strange child that I always thought about losing my parents. And I think I always thought about it because I understood that that was an inevitability. And I maybe subconsciously knew that someday I'd have to deal with it. So I I feel like I kind of pressure cooker released a lot of the grief along my lifespan while I was living with my parents. Because I think about that and I remember being a kid and crying about losing them and they're just downstairs. This is like way back when my dad was still in the house and I would think about not having them and I would cry my eyes out. And there were times as an adult where my mom and I would be together and I would just be like, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. And she'd be like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll take all my rings and you'll be fine. And she's not, I don't have them all on. I've got a couple, all these, most of these, the two of them are hers. She's not wrong. First things I, I grabbed when she passed away were her rings. That wasn't like, cause I'm like a pirate. I just, it was something her and I connected on. We, we had about five or six matching moonstone rings. And she always talked about when she passed, I would take her rings. <laughs> 
And I did, you smelly pirate hooker. I sure did. But crying is such a great way to release. You know, when we're talking about coping, we're also talking about releasing. It's not just dealing with the grief. And it's not just coping with it. I feel like that falls short to describe what should actually be going on. And what actually should be going on is you feeling and experiencing the grief. As crazy as it sounds, it's such an honor. And it's it's a statement about the love that you had and the love that you have and the love that you will continue to have when you're going through grief. So maintaining the relationship, crying. Another way that I have been bad at coping with it and when I was thinking about this episode and and what I wanted to contribute I also want to realize where I could have been better and I do believe that a part of us subconsciously knows how to heal ourselves kind of like how our body is is a healing system even though we do need some help same thing when it comes to our emotions and our mentality we kind of know what we need but also we need help as well we need resources so One of the ways to cope with grief, this is the number three word of advice, is literally words, talking, finding a support group, going to group therapy. That's something that I looked into, but unfortunately it was COVID and I wanted to be in person, in person, and I regret not signing up for Zoom therapy. So that's something that I have signed up for through my uh, therapist here in Los Angeles is Zoom group therapy. And I'll let you know how it goes. I'm always on a journey to discover and learn. And even though it's been years since both of my parents have passed, I feel like there are still ways I could benefit and reap benefits from group therapy, from from my therapist and from other people who have experienced loss. And also to be able to bring some um, insight to, the, to these episodes. So talking it out and... I do think it's good to talk with your loved ones. I think that that's something that I could have done better, but then I did what I did and what I needed to do to survive. But I do think more talking would have been beneficial, especially an unbiased group of people. My sister and I definitely would talk with one another, but it wasn't as in depth as I would have wanted it to be. And that's nothing that she didn't do. And it's not necessarily anything I didn't do. It's only a reflection on what we did to survive those moments. And I wish that her and I were able to talk more in those times for one another. So that's something that I'm going to work on more when I see her is reminiscing and seeing how she's doing. And her and I have always been able to cry in front of each other. We did do a lot of that when my mom passed. We just would cry and then we would have tequila it was it was talking it was crying talking in tequila that should be its own that's its own subcategory so we've got maintaining the relationship crying when you need to talking and then a subcategory is crying talking in tequila <laughs> another way that i have coped with grief this is number 4 is napping napping sleeping and yeah you're going to feel depressed you're going to go through a depression and i think that's a normal part of it I think you need to feel depressed. I think you have to go deep down into the the bowels of that emotion in order to get yourself back to the top. Because I feel like if you don't go all the way to, all the way to the bottom, that bottom is still going to be there, lingering around and pulling you back to experiencing it. And I think I definitely fought it and I resisted the sinking. And while that can be tricky territory for a lot of people because some people can't get out of that it's sort of like quicksand it's like emotional quicksand that's what depression can be and there's a lot of different types of depression I'm talking about grief associated depression here and I'm talking about my own grief associated depression where I do for myself I do find and found value in allowing myself to sink to the bottom to know what that felt like and the irony of it all is it took a professional, somebody else, friends to tell me that I was there. I didn't even know that I was in the basement of grief until one of my closest friends had said something to me. And until I went to go see Dr. Amen, he said he could literally see my depression on a scan. 
it took a medical professional and somebody who knew me very well to say that I was depressed. And I feel resolved with that because I know that I needed to experience that depression. And I'm saying all this because I, I only wanted to sleep. All I wanted to do was sleep and I slept a lot and not just napping, like taking naps during the day, but like allowing yourself to be functioning on a little bit lower of a register, which can be difficult for someone like me. I'm a performer. I want to give, I am outspoken and, and I'm someone who's eccentric and someone who is extroverted. When I'm talking about napping, I'm talking about pulling all of that back if that's someone who you are and allowing yourself to just sit with yourself, allowing yourself to be quiet, allowing yourself some stillness, allowing yourself to wear gray all the time. I just started wearing colors like what, like a few months ago. I was wearing black and gray for so long. Debbie's here and she always wears black and gray, but that's like the New York outfit. That's like the New York outfit. It's East Coast. We wear black and gray. But I mean, from an emotional standpoint, you can really tell what someone's going through by the colors they wear sometimes. And I, I realized that I needed to go deep. I needed to nap. I needed to rest. I needed to wear dark in order to feel it and experience it and live it and know that in that heaviness and in that darkness and in that depression, somewhere were my parents and somewhere there was a part of them that I needed to connect with on that level in order to level back up and level back up. If we're talking about it like a game, like we did last week, there's different levels of this and you have to not necessarily achieve, but you have to experience certain things in order to graduate or elevate yourself back to a place where you feel whole again. And, and you're never going to feel completely whole. I think that's the human experience. I think that that's part of what gives us drive and part of what gives us desire and and in in this sort of feeling of wanting to tackle our day is that we're never completely whole again but when you lose somebody it's a different type of emptiness and I think it's okay to have emptiness in there as long as you fill it with something that is beneficial for yourself and fill it with joy and fill it with love and fill it with positivity and for me allowing myself to go deep and realizing it not just experiencing it, because like I said, when I was experiencing it, I didn't know I was in it. I didn't know where I was. And and that's the feeling of loss that people talk about. Is you f- Literally, when you lose someone, you feel lost. And when you're feeling that, I do believe you're in the basement of grief-associated depression, and you need to be there, and, and you have to be there to experience it and to release it. And you won't know that you're there. You might not know you're there until years later, until a medical professional and one of your best friends tells you that you were there. And that's okay. I think the whole point is that you don't need to know where you are all the time, especially through this process of grief, that it's okay to feel lost through loss. And it's totally normal. Um, five, my, my, my fifth uh, way of coping with grief. I, I think there's going to be six. I know I said five, but I want to add one. Um, so we're going to have to make it six. So five, one of the ways I coped with it is I would play music and dance around my house. I would just play a song that I knew got me into the groove. I, my sister and I would do that. We would blast the music and just dance around the house. And if you have children, they're always up for a dance party. If you got kids, you turn that music on and they are ready to go unless they're TikToking, which I mean, isn't TikToking all dancing. Having a dance party is such a quick, easy, fun, juvenile ride in a, in a great way to just get your blood flowing, a great way to make you feel in the moment, a great way to just get you moving and maybe reminiscing a little about music and what you liked as a kid. Cause I know most of the music that I like to dance to are songs from the nineties. And that's like a real simple one. It's kind of like crying, you know, it's, it's a, it's a free way to release some of that heaviness and you can even take it a step further and leave your house. You don't even have to put on a real cute outfit. Keep your sweatpant outfit, keep your flip flops and go to the club. 
that should be there should be a grief discount for people who go out while they're losing somebody. There should be an ex- accepted part of someone's life that if they're going through loss, they can put on sweatpants, put on a hoodie, put on some flip-flops and go down to the club. They should get a discount. It should be the dead parent discount, the DPD, or the dead person discount. We'll go with that because it's a little bit more general. The DPD, you get in, you you don't necessarily have to show a card. You just show the the funeral card. Actually, you do have to show a card. You do have to get ID'd. It's not your ID. It's going to be the funeral card. And it's going to be the eulogy. It's going to be that little thing. What do they call that thing? The obituary. That's right. You don't have to show your ID at the door. You have to show your loved one's obituary. And that's how you get in. And you get free drinks. And they play Thriller. And everyone dances along like a bunch of zombies in the middle of the dance floor. And that's a way you can deal with your grief. Which club is going to start the dead person's discount? Line up. And by the way, you don't have to wait in line. You don't have to wait in line because everyone's dead. All the, par- all, the <laughs> all the people you love are in line in heaven right now. So you shouldn't have to wait in line to get to the club when your parents are dead. That's my opinion. Um, and the, the last way, well, these are, you know, just a few ways I have coped with grief. But now that I have added one, um, the last way that we can cope with grief and the way that I have coped with grief is to keep myself open to discovery finding new things out about myself finding new things out about the world without the people I love in it and there's this really beautiful thing that happens where for me I have felt my mother within my being not my father so much and I'm not quite sure why I'm not challenging it I'm aware of it sometimes I feel him come through sometimes I feel his essence within my being And I feel like him, but more lately, and maybe because of my experience in Italy, and even before that, I can feel her around me. I can feel when I'm doing something, I look at my arm and it looks like her arm. And just even the way sounds that come out of me and the way I drink wine sometimes and and how I give advice to friends or filling the bird feeder up, that's her bird feeder, I can feel her within my being I can feel her essence it's 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 really beautiful it's sometimes a little alarming but it's such a interesting discovery and I'd never felt that way before when my parents were alive never felt that way about my mom at all I never felt her essence within me and I have lived away from my home since I was 18 I moved out of the house when I was 18 years old and left the state so I've been away from my mother And there's been instances where I have been overseas in other countries and still didn't feel her essence. So I do think it's a very specific experience that happens posthumously for people. And I don't know if anyone else has discovered that for themselves where they feel their loved ones within their being. I would love to hear any sort of specific stories that you guys have. Jesse May Peluso comedy at Gmail pertaining to discovering that feeling So keeping yourself open to that discovery and allowing yourself to sort of feel like, I guess you're being possessed. (laughs) Is my mom possessing me? I'll go reach for a glass of wine. I'm like, oh my God, that looks like my mom's arm. I'm like, ah, Nancy, is my mom in me? Is that okay? Is it okay for your mom to be inside of you after she dies? It's a question for the table. It's also a question for the police. It's an interesting experience. And I've really felt that. I'm like, oh my God, my dad's in me. What? Where is he? Isn't he dead? Yeah, he's dead, but he's also inside of me. I don't know how to explain it. Can I have extra cream in my coffee? These things just come out of the woodwork. By these things, I mean my parents' ghosts. They just, they enter me. <laughs> I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that my parents have entered me after they've died. And I don't know what to do. So can a professional tell me what's happening? My mom's inside of me. Help. You know that show? The monster inside of me? Yeah, well, I've got my mother inside of me. Where's TLC? We have to film this. Debbie left. <laughs> Debbie left the studio. <laughs> so recap, I'll put this in the show notes. Ways that I have coped with grief is maintaining the relationship 
crying when you need to, talking when you need to, napping into that basement of depression, dancing when you need to, and also leaving yourself open to discovery. Let's see. Let's go to Twitter because I have asked Twitter uh, what they do to cope with grief. Oh, before, here's, here's a little thing that I did with my mom while she was alive. And like I said, I, I wish I had talked more when I was going through grief and I'm going to remedy that now by joining a group. I also wish I had asked my parents more questions when they, when they were alive. Even though I had the benefit of having a podcast and a very chatty mouth and personality, we always talked. So like I said, there wasn't a lot unspoken at their death because we talked so much and we always were asking each other questions. Something I wish I had done more was ask my mom specific questions. So I thought about this while she was in the ICU and I made up a list and then I found a list online. I can certainly attach um, a list of questions to the show notes to help you for your parents or whoever, your loved one. So basically ask them a list of questions that you might not need and you might not know you're going to want to know the answer to. So I may have read this on the podcast a couple years ago, but I asked my mom a list of her favorite stuff. Her favorite breakfast is bacon. Her favorite actor is Clint Eastwood. Actress Shirley MacLaine. I think, is Clint Eastwood still alive? He's still alive. I think Shirley MacLaine died. Did Shirley MacLaine die? Maybe. They might still be alive. Her favorite dinner, steak and potatoes. Same. Flower is lily of the valley. Her favorite month is July. She said it was nice and warm. Favorite season is summer. Favorite dessert is vanilla, French vanilla ice cream with chocolate cake. Greedy. Although that's really good when the cake is warm. Oh, I love like a hot cake with some ice cream. Her favorite gem is an opal, which I'm like, well, okay, well, we also have rainbow moonstones, which kind of look like opals, but rude. Favorite animal is a dog. Her favorite city was Syracuse. Favorite snack is peanuts. That's also interesting. The was and is of it all. Like her favorite snack was peanuts. And then I said her favorite, um, I said is. It's just interesting. I just caught myself going between present and past tense. These are still her favorite things because she's still someone to me. So I'm going to say is for the rest of this list. Her favorite color is purple. Her favorite scent is patchouli. Hippie. Giselle. Her favorite drink is wine. We know that. She always had a glass of wine in her hand and a huge glass that she would add ice to and act like she didn't just pour an entire bottle in it. It's just the one glass. Okay, Nance. Favorite book is Thornbirds. I think I bought it because of this list. Her favorite fruit is pineapple. Her favorite store is Kaufman's. Kaufman's, I don't even think it's even open anymore. Her favorite subject is math. Nerd. We know that because last week she yelled at me for not going to college. Rude. She's even rude beyond the grave. So make a list. Check it twice. Ask your loved one. Ask your loved ones these questions or any kind of questions. Make up your own list. But um, I'll add a little link to the show notes to show you maybe a, like a list template for yourself if you need some prompts to help you ask questions of your loved ones. But I just wanted to include that. We have a few questions and then we're going to get to the Twitter of it all. Um, a couple of you guys asked me some questions pertaining to grief. Pellin Offroad says, you never stop missing them, but they want you to go on for them. Maybe. You know, people always say like, after someone dies, like when they connect with the medium or something, they're always like, oh, they're fine. They're happy. They forgive you. Everyone's fine and happy after they die. I, can't, I don't believe that. I don't buy it. I think some people when they die are pissed. It happened too soon. I want to come back. I'm not happy. I died in a car accident and this isn't the way I wanted to go. And I think then and only then is it the only time where you should be able to enter a child. Not physically, but spiritually. To talk to the medium, to talk to your sister, to tell her you're not happy where you are. I'm not happy I died. And I realize Timmy isn't the, the best way to tell you, but he was the only person around that I could enter. So I did not mean to enter this little kid, but I needed to for him to tell you that I'm not happy on the other side. But sure, they want you to go on for them. I wouldn't. I would be haunting everybody. I would haunt the fuck out of Deb. If I died today, I would haunt the fuck out of her. And I know she would, it would drive her nuts. I would know how to haunt her so well. <laughs> 
You think I'm just going to let everyone live their life after I die? Are you crazy? What a waste is a ghost. I'm not going to ghost. Are you insane? When I die, I'm going to ghost so hard. I'm going to ghost everybody. Everyone's going to get ghosted so hard. I'm going to be like the TikTok. I'm going to be famous on TikTok after I die for the hauntings that go down. I'm going to ghost children. I'm going to ghost pedophiles, all the pedophilia, the, 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 all the, 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 <laughs> the priests. I'm going to ghost pedophiles. I'm going to scare the pedophilia out of them. <laughs> I am going to scare everybody. I'm going to go into every Irawan in LA and, and I'm going to stab all the women named Felicity with the, 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 the prickly part of the, of the pineapple. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them with that. Right in the produce department. I'm going to goose everyone in the produce department at Irawan. And the cashiers for asking me if I want to spend $200 a year to be a member. No, I don't because your smoothies are $75. How dare you, Dashel. So yeah, sure, they want you to go on. Chris is keying. Why would you burden yourself with more grief? Others' grief. Uh, I feel like that's half of a question. Um, okay, I see. There's two questions here. Okay, Chris says, I still have both of my parents and I don't know how I'm going to handle it when they die. And why would you burden yourself with more grief? You know, like I did, Chris, I grieved them as they were alive. And I had to for my dad's sake because he, we were losing parts of him every day during his disease. But as a kid, I even grieved my parents. I think I knew it would be so much of a loss that I was preparing myself. Mom? I prepare myself. I'm, I'm, I'm a prepper. That's, that's what I am. You know, the only thing I haven't really prepped myself is for the apocalypse. It's maybe because I don't really necessarily believe it's going to happen right now. And that would be so, such a beautifully ironic situation that I'm prepared for everything. But the one thing that is so much fun to prepare for, you can't prepare for their death. And even all of the classes and therapy and podcasts, none of it is going to armor you with anything to protect you from those emotions. You're not meant to be protected from it. You're not meant to be prepared. Why would you want to be prepared for something that, even though it's brutal and one of the worst experiences you'll ever go through, you learn the most about yourself and it opens you up to a whole new world of looking at people differently. That's not to say I don't swear behind people in, in traffic here in LA and wonder why they were even given the gift of life. But I do have a different type of empathy now. And do I wish my parents were still here? Sure. Do I regret anything? Mm, no. But I do know that there is something to be learned and something to be gained from every experience, no matter how hard or how heavy it is. So you will not be prepared for when they die. And I hope that you can know that whatever you're going through after that will give you some real perspective on your own life and you'll experience miracles if you leave yourself open to it. One more question. 516 Lemmy Girl. Dad tragically passed. Pain still feels like yesterday. Will a medium help? That's a great question. I think a medium can help. I think a medium is a form of therapy, whether you believe in it or not. I do think in today's day and age, you have the ability to find a really great medium. That's not to say that most of them are scam artists. I'll say it. Most of them are scam artists. That's not to say that a couple of them aren't really fantastic. And the experience I had with my mom in, in Italy has made me even more open to that idea of going to a medium and that experience of talking with someone who can connect with the dead. I do think you might want to just do a little due diligence and see if you can find someone that's reputable. Go from word of mouth. I wouldn't Google that. I would ask your friends, my girlfriend, Sarah, um, of Fantagram fame has recommended somebody for me in Oklahoma. And her and I were talking about this uh, last year, actually, because her sister has passed away and Sarah's pretty public about her, her sister's death and her sister took her life. And Sarah and her mother went to 
a medium that Miley Cyrus recommended. And Sarah says that it was the most amazing and magical experience that she had and helped her mother really get over the loss. And I don't want to go into details about what the person said for Sarah and her mother because that's her own experience and her sister and that's not for me to share. But she did say that it was something that changed their experience of grief for them and really helped them. And she recommended it for me. So that's something that I have on my list of to-dos to go to Oklahoma and see this medium. And I'll let you guys know. Maybe we'll film it. Well, maybe not film it, but we'll do a podcast, a recap after. There's one more question here. You ask me questions often and I feel like I always butcher your name. What's the best way to process and heal when grieving? Why is life such a effing bitch? Well, we kind of talked about it this entire episode. So go to the beginning and press play. And I think the one thing to know is however you process, it's okay. You don't need to follow this podcast. You don't need to follow any article. You don't need to listen to anybody on how to deal with grief. I think the main thing is to give yourself some space and to maybe write down a few things that you can do for yourself along that path and along that journey because you might not be thinking as clearly. You might be tired. Don't forget to eat. (laughs) Don't forget to eat. You can also fast and let your body rest a little, but don't forget to eat. That's the one thing being Sicilian is just so, so wonderful at when it comes to moments of sadness. We never forget to eat. We eat when we're sad. We eat when we're happy. When someone dies, when someone's born, there's always food. Manja, manja, manja. So, that's my grandma advice. Don't forget to eat. And I hope this episode, Ina, Ina Maya, I hope you're saying, I'm saying your name right. I hope this episode helped you process your grief. Now let's see how people on Twitter, before we end this episode, how they process grief. Um, so the question I asked was, how do you cope with grief? Marty Caproni put three turtles. Do you know what that means? Three turtles. I don't, I, I think it's an inside joke that I have forgotten. I'm going to have to text him. Heidi Heaslett says, going by a body of water and turning up the music. That sounds dark. (laughs) But I guess maybe she's looking at the water. I hope she's not walking into it with like a boom box attached to a power cord. 5G says mushrooms in the beach. I think that is a great choice. I even said that. Grand nothing says copious amounts of marijuana. I can't even negate that because I've been there myself. Like I said, We have to go to the basement in order to get out of the damn house of depression. And when it comes to grief, that basement can be deep down. So pack a snack, pack a lunch while you're going down to that place. Ryan says cry and disassociate. I'm not against it. Crying is on my list. Disassociate, there is a protective aspect to that. And that's what happens initially for most people when somebody dies. Naturally, they disassociate. And I think the brain does that. Uh, in its own way as a survival mechanism for you to get through the next few days, few weeks. So that happens naturally. Now, while you continue that down the road for yourself, whether that is healthy or not, that's up to you. That's up to you and your experience. Steven Squillance says one second at a time. Also must focus on gratitude. It's a miracle to be born. Once you realize that life is short and it's a magical journey, the illusion of good or bad, um, who can say in the moment? Uh, I think maybe said who can stay in the moment. But yes, I agree. Life is a short, magical journey. That's why we should be taking shrooms and going to the beach. Jorgen Anderson. A short answer, a bit more cope and a less grief day by day. Longer, I think grief is easier to cope with before the situation actually occurs. That's so weird. Isn't that weird? Another person saying that? Back when my dad died, I had periods when I was thinking a lot about the more crappy things I did. And again, anyone who's listening to this, whose loved ones are still alive, say the thing that needs to be said. And the thing that needs to be said is a thing that is never said. Whatever you can't say, you must say. Do it for yourself. Do it for them. Do it for your own fucking personal freedom. But just say the thing you can't say because the thing you can't say is the thing you have to say. Steve Moore, walking will give you answers. I agree with that. And that is a, a really simple way to cope. Just walk. Magic takes place out there. Stay hydrated and keep your head up as you grind through it. 
It's great. Jessica Lynn, reminding myself that my book is yet to be finished and I have to get through these chapters to make it through. Yes, girl. Flip those cha- flip those pages. Uh, Jeff Cole, bury it until you can't anymore. Then deal with it. That's a very upstate Italian way to handle grief. Uh, I'm not for it, but I understand it. Watching the world burn says ignore it. For some reason, I'm not surprised that someone with a handle watching the world burn says just ignore the grief. Let us know how that's working out for you. Preston Hagee, lean on friends and family and just hold on. That's sweet. I agree. John Adams says weed. (laughs) Fitz says been running on autopilot since March. Distraction after distraction because the hurt overwhelms. Once in a while, the need to distract lessens. Ready for tears to come at totally random times and places like Marshall's fitting rooms. I added that part. Look for triggers, but the attacks of sorrow are arbitrary and vicious. Wow. Okay. There's a little poet in the, in the thread here. Um, Ganji Ghost says, feel it and smoke weed. Not surprised that you said that. Scott Clark says, jokes and alcohol. I murdered at my last funeral. Captive audience that can't leave. Is that because they're all dead, Scott? But ass sad says my dad died about a month ago and my best solution is disassociation and 15 hours of screen time. That worries me. That's in another realm of disassociation. And I hope that you can get out of that. But like I said, you got to go deep to get high. So trust that whatever grief path you're on, that there is light at the end of that tunnel. Um, A bunch of you guys said so many things. One girl says tattoos, BTK says watch an episode of tattoo redo that's a great great solution for your grief go to netflix and watch my show tattoo redo maybe that'll help you feel better and hopefully this podcast helped you guys feel better i will include some of what i spoke all of what i spoke about today my list on how to cope with grief we're also going to include what else did i say i was going to include oh the list of questions for you guys to ask your loved ones and please if you have an idea of where you think we go when we die or you have reviews from those coffins or funeral homes or anything having to do with grief and loss and death, email me at jessiemaypelusocomedy at gmail.com. And thank you guys for listening. Here's to letting go. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.